Wow. Thank you. I'm Amanda. I'm an alcoholic. Um, I just got really nervous, so just, uh, yeah, bear with me. <laughs> it's good to see everybody. I love Bolden. I don't make it to that meeting very often, but um, my home group is Southern Street Sisters, and my sober date is December 8th of 2013. Um, and the first time I told my story, it was at my original home group in Houston. It had to be for an hour, and it was in front of, like, a shitload of people, and you had to stand behind a podium with a microphone, so, like, this is much better. Um, and my story is going to be condensed. I'm going to try, I'm obviously not going to talk for that long, but, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be nervous because I know this isn't about me. It's about me trying to, you know, be helpful and be of service. So, um, I'm going to share my experience, strength and hope, and I hope that it, um, resonates. So I, I don't know. I mean, coming up on seven years sober and being asked to share my story, there's been a lot of reflecting going on because um, you kind of have to go back over stuff. And, you know, it, a lot has happened since the last time I told my story. So it's really made me feel extra grateful. Um, I love being around a bunch of hell hellraisers who've kind of reformed, you know, because deep down inside we're still <laughs> kind of wild and fun to be around. Um, we've just kind of changed our lifestyles. So I still prefer to be around alcoholics, um, sober alcoholics. So, you know, the first thing I'll say is if you're new, please stay and try. And I always say that because I remember how I felt when I came in, I'm probably gonna start crying talking about it, but I was terrified. Um, and I sat on the back row and I cried and I avoided people and I ran out the door and I did not want anyone to be nice to me. Um, and so it took me a long time and I was in and out of the rooms for a long time. Um, tonight though, I'm supposed to tell my story. So I'm going to talk about what it was like, what happened and what it's like now. I'm not going to make it have a big drunkalogue. I'd like to spend most of my time in solution. Um, but I will kind of go over some of the stuff that happened, um, as a result of my addiction. And, you know, I was a really late bloomer. I didn't start drinking habitually or using drugs until I was 29. Um, but the steps that we do in here, um, have, have shown me that I was alcoholic way, way, way before I ever took a drink or a drug. The way I thought, the way I never felt like I fit in, um, feeling unfulfilled um, and kind of afraid all the time. And, you know, things like acting out and promiscuity and, and um, just all kinds of behaviors. And it didn't, I did not need alcohol to behave alcoholically. And I, when I first came in, I was like, that doesn't even make any sense. How can I be an alcoholic? I didn't even start drinking until, you know, later. Um, but I grew up in a small town, really religious all shame and fear based. And so by a very young age, I was, I was pretty turned off by all that kind of stuff. And, um, I was also the firstborn, So I just had like all the expectations put on me. I was expected to like do the best to be the best and take care of my brothers and just all kinds of stuff. And I took it on, you know, as a little kid, I thought that was my responsibility. I didn't know any better. Um, there was a lot of abuse and a lot of stuff that went on in our house. Um, and I was a goody goody and a people pleaser and I just wanted to make everybody happy. And then when I was around 13 or 14, 
I remember bringing home a report card with like all hundreds and there, I got like a 98 or something in geometry and my dad was like, what happened in geometry? And, and that day I was like, fuck these people. <laughs> like, I don't want to have anything. I am so sick of these fucking, like I was so full of rage at such a young age and I started acting out. I started skipping and I was like, you want to see a bad kid? I'll show you a bad kid. And that's kind of where I think the alcoholism started, even though I didn't pour drugs and alcohol on it until later. Um, so I just started mouthing off to people, getting in trouble at school, kind of going out of my way to give the middle finger to pretty much anyone I could, you know, run into. Um, and I always felt alone and isolated. Um, you know, I ended up running around with people who were getting into some bad shit and, um, got pregnant, had a baby, um, I feel like that's probably why I didn't start drinking and using until a lot later because I had her when I was 17. So I had to get my shit together and finish school and go to college and work and take care of her by myself. Um, and so I was completely obsessed with her, totally, uh, knew that I needed to get it together. And that's where I learned how to like execute on things and achieve things and just avoid my feelings, just stay busy, get shit done, be smart, get good grades, handle your business, like just don't feel, you'll be fine. And I did that for a really long time and it actually served me well and protected me in a lot of ways. So I was like, okay, this is, this is cool. Um, and then Sarah got a little bit older and I met a guy and I married him. Um, he was a total alcoholic. I spent years and years managing his alcoholism and being the goody goody who bitched at him all the time for drinking. And I was always apologizing to our neighbors and getting him out of jail. And, and then I lost, you know, the most important person in my life, my grandfather and my marriage was in the shitter. And I just started partying with him after all those years. I was like, oh, if you can't beat him, join him. And man, it was quick. I mean, within six months I had been arrested for my first DWI. I was just, it was dormant all that time waiting. And I'm pretty sure I blacked out the first time I started doing a bunch of Coke and other stuff very shortly after starting drinking. Um, and I remember it was the first time in my life I ever felt normal. I was like, this must be what normal people feel like, like happy and calm and like you want to actually talk to people and be around people. Um, and I really fell in love with that feeling and I chased it for seven years. Um, we went through the divorce, big daddy, my grandpa, you know, my, the guy who walked me down the aisle at my wedding was very important part of my life, died of cancer and the divorce and all this stuff. And so I just was consumed by my pain and I medicated, didn't, even have the capacity to, you know, tend to my daughter's pain, um, or the rest, the rest of my family. And it was just a downward spiral. Um, it got so fast, so bad. I had two DWIs within a year. Um, and then I got arrested two more times for destruction of property and some other shit, public intoxication, I think. Um, so I was introduced to AA by a judge. Um, and started going to meetings and I just couldn't get it. You know, um, I tried, I really tried. I got a sponsor. I started trying to work the steps, but in the back of my mind, I was like, 
uh, I'm just getting started. Like I, there's no way I'm going to quit drinking. I've only been drinking for like eight months, um, at that point. And I got so many desire chips and just kept going, you know, and I went to rehab, didn't stick. Um, again, I wasn't, I wasn't into it. I had not conceded to my innermost self at that point. Um, and then I met another guy and he was a cage fighter with like a raging addiction to all the things. And he was perfect, right? I'm just like, this is, this is the guy. So we, uh, had a whirlwind romance, got married within like a very short amount of time that did not last, uh, very long. Um, but meanwhile, my career started to fall apart, you know, cause I remember there was a time where, you know, I had the house and all my stuff was paid for and I finished my master's and I was, I had achieved a lot and it looked from the outside, like I, like I had my shit together and I was, I was just a disaster. Um, everything started to fall apart and I can't even, my daughter is 27 now. Um, but it's still just like. I will totally start crying if I talk about it. Um, from the age of 13 to 19, when she needed me most, that's kind of when I checked out. And there's so much um, guilt about that still, seven, almost seven years later. But I can say that this program has restored my relationship with her and then some. Um, we had to go through things together because of alcoholism that almost broke us apart completely um that now we have a better relationship than we probably would have otherwise so like i'm grateful for it in retrospect but it's definitely one of those things that is probably going to be with me forever um so all this probation and attorneys and breathalyzers and all this stuff you know and i still just was I didn't, I still didn't believe it was alcohol. I'm like, I have bad luck. It's my ex-husband. It's my mom. Like it's everyone's fault. It can't be the drinking. I've got to keep that in my life because it's the only thing that makes me feel like I'm going to be okay. Um, and then I got to a point where that even that didn't work anymore. I couldn't get drunk enough. I couldn't get high enough. There weren't enough pills. There weren't enough. There was just wasn't enough of anything. Um, and I was terrified because I, couldn't escape that way and I could not stand to be sober for five seconds um and I remember one night I just prayed I'd been up for two or three days fighting with husband number two um and I just said a prayer basically like God if you're real please help me because I knew that I was at a crossroads I knew I was either gonna have to change everything in my life or I was gonna die and I really had to think about it I, I really did have to think about it. And I was always, I was almost like, you've already ruined so much stuff. None of this is going to be salvageable. So you may as well just kind of like, you know, Thelma and Louise style, just drive it off a cliff type of thing. And I was in a really, really, really dark place. Um, and I called my uncle who's been sober for a really long time. And I said, Hey, you know, I, I want to get sober. Where should I go? And he told me to go to this club, this, um, AA club in Houston, and I did. And um, for whatever reason, that day at that time, I was ready. I was, I had had the shit beaten out of me to the point where I was, I was open uh, for the first time. And the gift of desperation, you know, I used to think all these sayings were so dumb, but like, I get it now. 
Um, so I met my sponsor and she was really gentle with the God thing and she allowed me to, to be an atheist and to then be an agnostic and to still be confused about all that um, to this day. And I really needed that freedom, you know, to just be who I am and observe how other people are sober, you know, that's really where I got my inspiration. Um, I came to meeting, I went to meetings, I, I didn't drink, I tried to take suggestions. Um, and then there were a couple moments where I really finally started to, to feel like these people may know what they're talking about, which was when the book talked about having an allergy of the mind. Um, or an allergy of the body and obsession of the mind. It just, I was like, oh my God, that's, that's it. That's, that's why I can't drink like other people. That's why I'm, I'm still up until everything's gone. And other normal people went home and went to bed. Like it, it explains so many things that I literally could not figure out because I tried to quit so many times on my own. Um, and I also started to realize that people, places, and things cannot control me. They cannot make me make decisions no matter what my mom says or my ex-husband, no matter what happens externally, no one can make that choice except for me. Um, and it was the first time I ever got out of the kind of victim thing and just was like, it's up to me. You know, I'm going to have to really do this. Um, and I feel like it's like Shawshank Redemption where he's like swam through a river of shit and came out clean on the other side. That's what it felt like. I didn't want to have to go through the stuff I was going to have to crawl through in this program. I was terrified of my feelings. I was terrified of looking at myself and having to establish boundaries with my family and cutting certain friends out of my life because you know they weren't actually friends. Um, I knew all that was coming and I didn't want to do it. Um, but I did. And then I started to realize, like, I never knew who I was. I was really young and then I had a kid. So I was somebody's mom and then I was somebody's wife. And I just was somebody else's person all the time. And in this program, I finally felt like, who, who am I? You know, who am I? What do I like? What kind of person do I want to be? And AA really introduced me to myself and, you know, it's not a race, it's a marathon. Like I finally settled into the whole one day at a time idea. Um, you know, it's not easy every day, but it <laughs> using wasn't easy either. That, that got real hard. Um, and I have a choice today to, to drink or not to drink and to, you know, work on my emotional sobriety or not. Um, I have a bunch of tools that I can use and, you know, I don't always use them perfectly, obviously, um, but at least I have a choice, you know, and I think watching people, I remember when I first got sober thinking, okay, I'll be sober for a while, but like if this happens and when that happens and like one day when my daughter gets married or like, what about vacation or what about when one of my parents dies? I'm definitely going to drink then. Like, so I still had a bunch of like conditions. And over time, I watched people in my home group go through all of that stuff. Graduations, deaths, losses of jobs and houses and all kinds of stuff. And they didn't run away and drink. They leaned into the group. They picked up more service positions. They sponsored more people. They shared more. And I was like, that, that I guess is what you're supposed to do when you're going through a hard time is to lean in 
and I mean, I, I feel like so many things have, have gone on in my recovery. Most have been wonderful, but some have been really hard. And that's what I think of is, is I have this whole entire, you know, fellowship of people, um, if I choose to go lean into that, uh, instead of run away and isolate and, this guy in my home group used to say, if you're a real alcoholic, never forget that your mind has a contract out on your ass, you know? So like, if I hang out with my head, it's going to kill me. I cannot be alone with myself too much with my thoughts. And so, you know, in the meetings, it's like a heart shaped mirror. Like I hear stories and I remember like, Oh yeah, this is, this is what it's about. Um, if I stay away too long, you know, I like to get three or four meetings a week, and if I stay away too long, my thinking starts to change, and it really, you know, reminds me that this is a, it's between my ears, you know, drugs and alcohol have been removed from my life for a long time now, but my thinking um, can still lead me down some pretty um, dark paths, so, you know, what I know now, I think, before I'm a mom or an employee or a sister or a daughter or any of those things, I'm an alcoholic. Like, I have to remember that. And so many gifts of sobriety have come into my life. And there have been times where they made me feel like I didn't need the program as much anymore because I got all my shit back, you know? And I'm like, okay, we're good. I don't want to have to do all this work anymore. I don't want to have to feel all these feelings. But I have seen people, unfortunately, relapse and drift away and die. Um, and it reminds me of how serious this really this really is. Um, and I used to not want to talk about being an alcoholic. Like, I, I was ashamed of it. I felt like there was... Um, like people didn't understand me and I didn't want to have to explain it. And I've been in software for a long time and software people travel and party a lot. And it was really hard for me to be a part of um, my corporate culture and team as someone who didn't take part in that stuff. So I kind of started to feel sorry for myself again. Like I don't fit in, I don't belong and kind of all that kind of thing. Um, and I had to get back to that whole thing of like, it does, there's no people, place or thing that's going to make me drink, um, or that makes me not know who I am, which is like an alcoholic. I have to remember that, um, serving NAA is like the highlight of my life, watching women get sober and watch the light coming back on and watching their lives change and watching promises flood into their lives. I mean, it's the coolest thing I've ever, um, been a part of, you know, and the humility that this, that this, um, program requires is more than I can bear sometimes. Uh, we were, I was raised in a house where you never asked for help ever, not even of your core group, much less saying anything to someone outside of the family or the house. Um, didn't talk about your feelings and you just figured it out, you know, by yourself. And so I tried to do that with my alcoholism for a really long time and, you know, it, it didn't work. It almost literally almost killed me. Um, so I think, 
you know, when I really think about it, I am just really grateful to be on this side of addiction. Like I'm, I think about it every day and ask my higher power in the morning to help me stay on the beam and to stay sober that day. And at night, you know, thank my higher power for doing that and reaching out to other women. You know, I sponsor women. I have a sponsor, all the things that we hear, right? Um, I think the rituals, the small daily rituals that we can do as well, um, really help to kind of change some of the thinking and reprogram some of the patterns um, that can kind of lead us back down the road of isolation. And I think AA taught me above everything else that I don't know everything. When I came in, I just was, I was like, I'm smart. I can figure this out. Um, And I couldn't. And I remember trying so hard just like the book talks about over and over the terminal uniqueness and the magnifying mind and all of these things but like I tried like I'm not going to drink that anymore I'm only going to do drugs I'm not going to drink with the drugs or only on the weekends or only when my daughter's at a at camp or just all kinds of stuff and I did that for years um and I also remember saying I wasn't going to drink and then drinking and then being like, it's not because I don't have control. It's because I did, I changed my mind. Like I wasn't going to, and then I did. And meanwhile, I'm getting arrested. My whole life is falling apart. And I still was like, it, it's not the drinking. Um, so now when I see people come in and I'm working with a newcomer, um, I, I totally get it. And I think that's why AA has been so powerful to me, for me, because no one, you know, regular people don't get it. It doesn't make sense from the outside how people would continue to do something that's destroying their lives. Um, but if you've been in that situation, which we all have, then, then you understand. And when I walked into these meetings, and I listened to y'all, it was the first time I ever felt understood. Um, It was the the first time I ever felt like I found a group of people who got it. So I'm really grateful for that. Um, I will also say that I'm open now to the idea that I am wrong sometimes, and that I make mistakes, and that's okay, and I can apologize, and I can clean up messes, and you know, all the things that, um, that the book talks about and teaches us to do and the steps. Um, my perspective has, has shifted, um, because of this program and I'm open and and teachable now where I wasn't before, you know, and the relationships in my life, I think there's so many gifts of sobriety for me, the biggest one is peace of mind. I feel like that's really the one that every single day I am grateful that I can just sit still with myself and not want to run away. Um, but my relationships with my daughter, most importantly, there's nothing more important to me in my whole entire life. And that, that relationship is so full as a result of this program. And it took me a really long time to earn her trust back. Um, but that's okay. You know, I, I got the opportunity to do that because of this program. Um, I hated the sayings on the wall, but now I 
kind of love them and stuff like progress, not perfection. Um, I am a hardcore perfectionist. I am a project manager, software person for work. So my whole life is built around systems and checklists and doing everything exactly perfectly. And if you don't, you're probably not going to have a job for very long. So it's really hard for me to just take it easy on myself, like give myself a break as a human like I'm, you know, and AA has taught me to do that because I've watched other people do it. Um, taking it one day at a time is really hard too. And I think especially right now, there's just a situation that we're all in together globally. The past six months or so have been especially challenging. Um, it's hard not to future trip. And part of me really appreciated the isolation in the beginning because to be honest that's my favorite thing (laughs) is to not have to be around anybody um but it's not healthy for me and I know that and so you know this program has really taught me how to um reach out and to go to a meeting and to do to do those kind of things especially when I don't feel like it um so I feel really grateful for that and you know like I said earlier, and I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer, but like there are days in recovery that are just really hard. Um, and I, I still struggle with that. You know, I would say 90% of the time I feel very grateful and pretty joyful and pretty peaceful. Um, but there are times where I'm like, what am I, you know, why am I still doing this? Like, am I going to have to do this forever? And just the kind of some of that. And my original sponsor used to tell me all the time, there's a language, there are two kind of languages in your head. There's one of your disease and there's one of your higher power. And the longer we're sober, the longer we work together, uh, work these steps together and kind of, you know, pick up all the habits, the new habits that we're trying to acquire um, through AA and through emotional sobriety. Um, the first thing that happens is you can, I could decipher the difference between the thoughts, right? If, if one's coming from my disease and one's coming from my higher power. Um, and the other thing is now when, when the, the dark stuff comes up, I just know immediately to shut it down. I need to reach out. I need to make a gratitude list. I need to pray. There, I have a million things I can do to, to snap myself out of that um, if, I, if I do it. You know, and used to, I, I didn't feel like I did have that, you know. I just popped a pill or took a drink or, or did something to change how I felt. Um, so there's tremendous freedom in that. You know, I'm, I feel really lucky um, that I don't have to be a prisoner to my, to my brain anymore and to this addiction. Um, yeah, that's really, that's really all I have. I, I feel really flattered that, um, that Michelle asked me to, to share my story and, um, it's really good to be here with everybody and I'm just really, really grateful to be sober. Thanks.